0: chapter eighteen of anne of geierstein by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines Lake city utah upon the rhine upon the rhine they cluster the grapes of juice divine which make the soldier's jovial courage muster o oh, blessed be the rhine drinking song a cottage or two on the side of the river beside which were moored one or two fishing-boats showed the pious hans had successors in his profession as a boatman the river which at a point a little lower was restrained by a chain of islets expanded more widely and moved less rapidly than when it passed these cottages affording to the ferryman a smoother surface and a less heavy stream to contend with although the current was even there too strong to be borne up against unless the river was in a tranquil state on the opposite bank but a good deal lower than the hamlet which gave name to the ferry was seated on a small eminence screened by trees and bushes the little town of Kirchhoff. A skiff, departing from the left bank, was, even on favorable occasions, carried considerably to leeward ere it could attain the opposite side of the deep and full stream of the Rhine, so that its course was oblique towards Kirchhoff. On the other hand, a boat departing from Kirchhoff must have great advantage both of wind and oars in order to land its loading or crew at the chapel of the ferry unless it were under the miraculous influence which carried the image of the virgin in that direction the communication therefore from the east to the west bank was only maintained by towing boats up the stream to such a height on the eastern side that the leeway which they made during the voyage across might correspond with the point at which they desired to arrive and enable them to attain it with ease hence it naturally happened that the passage from alsace into swabia being the most easy the ferry was more used by those who were desirous of entering germany than by travelers who came in an opposite direction when the elder philipson had by a glance around him ascertained the situation of the fairy he said firmly to his son begone my dear arthur and do what i have commanded thee with a heart rent with filial anxiety the young man obeyed and took his solitary course towards the cottages near which the barks were moored which were occasionally used for fishing as well as for the purposes of the ferry your son leaves us said bartholomew to the elder philipson he does for the present said his father as he has certain inquiries to make in yonder hamlet if they be answered the guide any matters connected with your honour's road i laud the saints that i can better answer your inquiries than those ignorant boors who hardly understand your language if we find that their information needs thy commentary said philipson we will request it meanwhile lead on to the chapel where my son will join us they moved towards the chapel but with slow steps each turning his looks aside to the fishing hamlet the guide as if striving to see whether the younger traveler was returning towards them the father anxious to descry on the broad bosom of the rhine a sail unloosed to waft his son across to that which might be considered as the safer side but though the looks of both guide and traveler were turned in the direction of the river their steps carried them towards the chapel to which the inhabitants in memory of the founder had given the title of hans Kapel. a few trees scattered around gave an agreeable and sylvan air to the place and the chapel that appeared on a rising ground at some distance from the hamlet was constructed in a style of pleasing simplicity which corresponded with the whole scene its small size confirmed the tradition that it had originally been merely the hut of a peasant and the cross of fir-trees covered with bark attested the purpose to which it was now dedicated the chapel and all around it breathed peace and solemn tranquillity and the deep sound of the mighty river seemed to impose silence on each human voice which might presume to mingle with its awful murmur when philipson arrived in the vicinity bartholomew took the advantage afforded by his silence to thunder forth two stanzas to the praise of the lady of the ferry and her faithful worshipper hans after which he broke forth into the rapturous exclamation come hither ye who fear wreck here is your safe haven come hither ye who die of thirst here is a well of mercy open to you come those who are weary and far traveled this is your place of refreshment and more to the same purpose he might have said but philipson sternly imposed silence on him if thy devotion were altogether true he said it would be less clamorous but it is well to do what is good in itself even if it is a hypocrite who recommends it let us enter this holy chapel and pray for a fortunate issue to our precarious troubles the pardoner caught up the last words sure was i he said that your worship is too well advised to pass this holy place without imploring the protection and influence of Our Lady of the Ferry. Tarry but a moment until I find the priest who serves the altar, that he may say a mass on your behalf. Here he was interrupted by the door of the chapel suddenly opening when an ecclesiastic appeared on the threshold. Philipson instantly knew the priest of St. Paul's, whom he had seen that morning at la ferette bartholomew also knew him as it would seem for his officious hypocritical eloquence failed him in an instant and he stood before the priest with his arms folded on his breast like a man who waits for the sentence of condemnation villain said the ecclesiastic regarding the guide with a severe countenance dost thou lead a stranger into the houses of the holy saints that thou mayest slay him and possess thyself of his spoils but heaven will no longer bear with thy perfidy back thou wretch to meet thy brother miscreants who are hastening hitherward tell them thy arts were unavailing and that the innocent stranger is under my protection under my protection which those who presume to violate will meet with the reward of archibald de hagenbach the guide stood quite motionless while addressed by the priest in a manner equally menacing and authoritative and no sooner did the latter cease speaking than without offering a word either in justification or reply bartholomew turned round and retreated at a hasty pace by the same road which had conducted the traveler to the chapel. And do you, worthy Englishman, continued the priest, enter into this chapel and perform in safety those devotions by means of which yonder hypocrite designed to detain you until his brethren in iniquity came up? But first, wherefore are you alone? I trust not evil hath befallen your young companion? My son, said Philipson, crosses the Rhine at yonder ferry, as we had important business to transact on the other side. As he spoke thus, a light boat, about which two or three peasants had been for some time busy, was seen to push from the shore and shoot into the stream, to which it was partly compelled to give way until a sail stretched along the slender yard and supporting the bark against the current enabled her to stand obliquely across the river now praise be to god said philipson who was aware that the bark he looked upon must be in the act of carrying his son beyond the reach of the dangers by which he was himself surrounded amen answered the priest echoing the pious ejaculation of the traveller great reason have you to return thanks to heaven of that i am convinced replied philipson but yet from you i hope to learn the special cause of danger from which i have escaped this is neither time nor place for such an investigation answered the priest of st paul's it is enough to say that yonder fellow well known for his hypocrisy and his crimes was present when the young switzer sigismund reclaimed from the executioner the treasure of which you were robbed by hagenbach thus bartholomew's avarice was awakened he undertook to be your guide to Strasburg, with the criminal intent of detaining you by the way till a party came up against whose numbers resistance would have been in vain but his purpose has been anticipated and now ere giving vent to other worldly thoughts whether of hope or fear to the chapel sir and join in orisons to him who hath been your aid and to those who have interceded with him in your behalf philipson entered the chapel with his guide and joined in returning thanks to heaven and the tutelary power of the spot for the escape which had been vouchsafed to him when this duty had been performed philipson intimated his purpose of resuming his journey to which the black priest replied that far from delaying him in a place so dangerous he would himself accompany him for some part of the journey since he was also bound to the presence of the duke of burgundy you my father you said the merchant with some astonishment and wherefore surprised answered the priest is it so strange that one of my order should visit a prince's court believe me there are but too many of them to be found there i do not speak with reference to your order answered philipson but in regard of the part which you have this day acted in abetting the execution of archibald the hagenbach know you so little of the fiery duke of burgundy as to imagine you can dally with his resentment with more safety than you would pull the mane of a sleeping lion i know his mood well said the priest and it is not to excuse but to defend the death of de hagenbach that i go to his presence the duke may execute his serfs and bondsmen at his pleasure but there is a spell upon my life which is proof to all his power but let me retort the question you sir englishman knowing the conditions of the duke so well you so lately the guest and travelling companion of the most unwelcome visitors who could approach him you implicated in appearance at least in the uproar at la ferette what chance is there of your escaping his vengeance and wherefore will you throw yourself wantonly within his power worthy father said the merchant let each of us without offence to the other keep his own secret i have indeed no spell to secure me from the duke's resentment i have limbs to suffer torture and imprisonment and property which may be seized and confiscated but i have had in former days many dealings with the duke i may even say i have laid him under obligations and hope my interest with him may in consequence be sufficient not only to save me from the consequences of this day's procedure, but be of some avail to my friend the landamman. But if you are in reality bound to the court of Burgundy as a merchant, said the priest, where are the wares in which you traffic? Have you no merchandise, save that which you carry on your person? I heard of a sumpter horse with baggage. Has yonder villain deprived you of it? this was a trying question to philipson who anxious about the separation from his son had given no direction whether the baggage should remain with himself or should be transported to the other side of the rhine he was therefore taken at advantage by the priest's inquiry to which he answered with some incoherence i believe my baggage is in the hamlet that is unless my son has taken it across the rhine with him that we will soon learn answered the priest here a novice appeared from the vestiary of the chapel at his call and received commands to inquire at the hamlet whether philipson's bales with the horse which transported them had been left there or ferried over along with his son the novice being absent a few minutes presently returned with the baggage-horse, which, with its burden, Arthur, from regard to his father's accommodation, had left on the western side of the river. The priest looked on attentively while the elder Philipson, mounting his own horse and taking the rein of the other in his hand, bade the black priest adieu in these words, And now, father, farewell, I must pass on with my bales since there is little wisdom in traveling with them after nightfall else would i gladly suit my pace with your permission so as to share the way with you if it is your obliging purpose to do so as indeed i was about to propose said the priest no i will be no stay to your journey i have here a good horse and melchior who must otherwise have gone on foot may ride upon your sumpter horse i the rather propose this course as it will be rash for you to travel by night i can conduct you to an hostelry about five miles off which we may reach with sufficient daylight and where you will be lodged safely for your reckoning the english merchant hesitated a moment he had no fancy for any new companion on the road and although the countenance of the priest was rather handsome considering his years yet the expression was such as by no means invited confidence on the contrary there was something mysterious and gloomy which clouded his brow though it was a lofty one and a similar expression gleamed in his cold gray eye and intimated severity and even harshness of disposition but notwithstanding this repulsive circumstance the priest had lately rendered philipson a considerable service by detecting the treachery of his hypocritical guide and the merchant was not a man to be startled from his course by any imaginary prepossessions against the looks or manners of any one or apprehensions of machinations against himself he only revolved in his mind the singularity attending his destiny which while it was necessary for him to appear before the duke of burgundy in the most conciliatory manner seemed to force upon him the adoption of companions who must needs be obnoxious to that prince and such he was too well aware must be the case with the priest of st paul's having reflected for an instant he courteously accepted the offer of the priest to guide him to some place of rest and entertainment which must be absolutely necessary for his horse before he reached strasburg even if he himself could have dispensed with it the party being thus arranged the novice brought forth the priest's steed which he mounted with grace and agility and the neophyte being probably the same whom arthur had represented during his escape from la ferette took charge at his master's command of the baggage-horse of the englishman and crossing himself with a humble inclination of his head as the priest passed him he fell into the rear and seemed to pass the time like the false brother bartholomew in telling his beads with an earnestness which had perhaps more of affected than of real piety the black priest of st paul's to judge by the glance which he cast upon his novice seemed to disdain the formality of the young man's devotion he rode upon a strong black horse more like a warrior's charger than the ambling palfrey of a priest and the manner in which he managed him was entirely devoid of awkwardness and timidity his pride whatever was its character was not certainly of a kind altogether professional but had its origin in other swelling thoughts which arose in his mind to mingle with and enhance the self-consequence of a powerful ecclesiastic as philipson looked on his companion from time to time his scrutinizing glance was returned by a haughty smile which seemed to say you may gaze on my form and features but you cannot penetrate my mystery the looks of philipson which were never known to sink before mortal man seemed to retort with equal haughtiness, nor shall you, proud priest, know that you are now in company with one whose secret is far more important than thine own can be. At length the priest made some advance towards conversation by allusion to the footing upon which, by a mutual understanding, they seemed to have placed their intercourse. We travel then, he said, like two powerful enchanters each conscious of his own high and secret purpose each in his own chariot of clouds and neither imparting to his companion the direction or purpose of his journey excuse me father answered philipson i have neither asked your purpose nor concealed my own so far as it concerns you i repeat i am bound to the presence of the duke of burgundy and my object like that of any other merchant is to dispose of my wares to advantage doubtless it would seem so said the black priest from the extreme attention to your merchandise which you showed not above half an hour since when you knew not whether your bales had crossed the river with your son or were remaining in your own charge are english merchants usually so indifferent to the sources of their traffic when their lives are in danger said philipson they are sometimes negligent of their fortune it is well replied the priest and again resumed his solitary musings until another half-hour's traveling brought them to a dwarf or village which the black priest informed philipson was that where he proposed to stop for the night the novice he said will show you the inn which is of good reputation and where you may lodge with safety for me i have to visit a penitent in this village who desires my ghostly offices perhaps i may see you again this evening perhaps not till the next morning at any rate adieu for the present so saying the priest stopped his horse while the novice coming close up to philipson's side conducted him onward through the narrow street of the village whilst the windows exhibited here and there a twinkling gleam announcing that the hour of darkness was arrived finally he led the englishman through an archway into a sort of courtyard where there stood a car or two of a particular shape, used occasionally by women when they travel, and some other vehicles of the same kind. Here the young man threw himself from the sumpter horse, and placing the rein in Philipson's hand, disappeared in the increasing darkness, after pointing to a large but dilapidated building, along the front of which not a spark of light was to be discovered from any of the narrow and numerous windows which were dimly visible in the twilight End of chapter eighteen End of anne of geierstein volume one by sir walter scott